0: Hello, and welcome back to Love at First Screening, the show where I, rom-com enthusiast Madison, introduce my friend, co-host, and resident genre skeptic, Chelsea. That's me. To all the feel-good... Cliché. Romantic.
1: Questionable.
0: Hilarious.
1: Occasionally humorous.
0: Films she's never wanted to watch. Chelsea, do you feel... Out of practice? It's been a while. I am
1: shocked that I remembered how to hit the record button, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) But I did. I did hit it. It is indeed recording. Miracles happen once in a while, if you believe. Sorry, I was at my best friend's (laughs) bachelorette party this weekend, and the theme was Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. Uh, We did watch both the first Princess Diaries and the second one, and obviously- Miracles happen once Once in a a while while. when you you believe. believe. Oh, shit.
0: I fucked that up. I said, if you believe. It's when you believe.
1: It's when you believe, Madison. Fuck. Confidence. Confidence. That's what that movie taught us. And that is why we are feminists. It's true.
0: I think that between, yeah, between Julie Andrews and Anne Hathaway, we had no option. And that's a great thing. So, well, now that gives me an idea of what to do for my friend's uh, bachelorette party coming up. We'll see. We're going to Savannah. I already know which of the bridal party is going to end up being the blackout drunks. Wait, you went, you're going to Savannah? Yeah, well, not anytime soon. That's where I just was. I know, I know. Well, that's (laughs) the new hot spot if you're in this area.
1: Look. Look savannah is an open container city you can walk around with your alcohol and i genuinely think that's a draw for bachelorettes although oddly enough we didn't walk around with any alcohol we had the intention to but we we didn't
0: thinking about it i was like well yeah but like the Beltline in atlanta is open container and the more i think about it i don't think that it was i think me and my friends were just carrying you know beer cans in koozies <laughs> beltline unlawfully in just having roadies uh, as we bar hopped from one place to the other. But
1: it's fine. Better hope no law enforcement uh, listens to this podcast.
0: Oh, my God. I know. Right. If I ever wanted a future career in politics, they'd be like, she's a woman and she's drank beers without a permit or whatever the fuck they want to say.
1: Speaking of politics, did you see that Ben Savage is running for Congress? As in Ben Savage of Boy Meets World fame, uh, Corey Matthews.
0: As in Cur- – oh, wow. Okay, so Corey
1: Matthews is running for – what's he running for? He's running for Congress. He's running in California's, I think, 30th district because whoever currently has that seat, I think it's Adam Schiff, is going to run for Senate. So he's mm. running for his seat in Congress.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Okay. You know, I think if he carries, uh, Mr. Feeney's lessons forth into the congressional halls, we might actually get some work done. So I'm okay with this actually. Nice. I also, did you see that Katie Porter is running for Senate as well? Katie Porter is my favorite Congresswoman. She is out of California. She's the one yes, It the yes. whiteboard. Sorry,
1: it just, it, yes. it just clicked to me who Katie Porty was. Yes, I did see that, and I am very excited. She's going to get shit done.
0: Oh, She God. better win. Are you kidding me? She's going to walk in there, bitch slap Mitch McConnell in the face with her whiteboard, and just solve world hunger in, like, a single session. So she's got my vote all the way on the opposite coast, is all I'm saying. Not that I can vote for her, because there are laws against that that we abide by. Correct. Anyway,
1: <laughs> new season and here we are talking about politics. I don't feel out of practice talking to you though because I've still seen you in the interim. It's because true. as I stated in the retrospective, I just cannot shake you.
0: Yeah, it's well, I did um I did go to your mom's house and commit a murder <laughs> over the holidays. So <laughs> Let's just get that one sound clip. That'll describe everything. They'll be like, here's Chelsea, and then here's Madison, and she's a felon. Yep. To clarify, we played a a murder mystery at a holiday party, and I ended up being the murderer.
1: She got away with it, too, because no one suspected her.
0: Viola Davis taught me well,
1: baby. A queen.
0: A goddess. In our midst. But you know, Chelsea, you know what I feel really should be legal? And... Generally regulated for the safety of those involved in it. Sex work. Which Mm. brings us (laughs) to today's movie of The Wedding Date, which came out in 2005. It was directed by Claire Kilner. She's also known for directing episodes of The Middle. She's known for directing American Virgin. And most recently, she's directed three episodes of House of the Dragon, which everyone that I've talked to seems to like. I don't fuck with anything Game of Thrones related because it's a rabbit hole. I just don't have time to fall down. But, you know, she's still she's still going in hot. Good
1: for her.
0: Right. Good for her. And then it was written by Elizabeth Young and Dana Fox. Dana Fox wrote the screenplay, but the movie was actually based on a book by Elizabeth Young called Asking for Trouble. Had a similar plot line. And then getting into the movie itself, what it's about and who's in it. Anxious to go alone to her sister's wedding, where her most notorious ex is the best man, Kat Ellis, played by Deborah Messing, hires a male escort she read about in the New York Times to pretend to be her wedding date. For the cool price of $6,000, and for those who love inflation stats like Chelsea does, that's about $9,000 today, Cat flies. woman guru, Nick Mercer, played by Dermot Mulroney, to England with her to suffer through her critical and overbearing family shenanigans as best he can. And as best as both of them can. As the wedding weekend goes on, Cat realizes that she might actually be over her ex, Jeffrey, and getting under Nick helps speed things along. Nick starts to open up, admitting that this is his first wedding job he's accepted because the hope in Cat's voice made him reconsider his prior no-weddings policy. After a drunken tryst in a boat following Amy's shot-soaked hen Nick realizes he truly wants Cat. Then Jeffrey and Kat's bitch of a sister Amy, played by Amy Adams, admit a terrible truth to Kat. Jeremy broke things off with Kat after years of being together because he slept with Amy and realized he loved her instead. Once Kat finds out that Nick already knew that Amy and Jeffrey had a long-term affair and didn't tell her, she breaks things off. However, Amy also has to tell her soon-to-be husband, Edward, everything, and decides to do so on the day of their wedding. He chases Jeffrey off into the woods and manages to catch Nick before he heads to the airport. All the couples involved in this mess resolve their differences, caught up in the magic of weddings, I guess, and all live happily ever after, except Jeffrey, who is still doing naked curl-ups in front of his window like that is sexy rather than sexual assault. So that's the wedding date, and... Chelsea, I think that there were elements of this that you likely really enjoyed, specifically one character in mind. I don't know if you could get behind the whole plot, especially the rushed resolution at the end, but I think you liked this movie in uh, You could tolerate it if it was on in the room sort of way.
1: Before I respond to <laughs> your thesis there. <laughs> I have two questions for you. Okay. Number one, I want to know your feelings on this movie.
0: Already. um, I Is it because you're trying to gauge, is trying to temper your response?
1: No, no. I will not be tempering my response. I'm just very curious about your feelings on this movie. Okay. Before I say anything to dissuade you from opening up.
0: So... I think that in terms of an actual love story, it's pretty shite. Um, But I think that it has some truly hilarious moments. And Dermot Mulroney is just so fun to look at. Um, Overall, I think that it has great rewrite potential. As of right now, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. in by any means. But I would rewatch it.
1: OK, now my second question before I jump into m- my stuff. Uh huh. W- what ca- what what do you think that I enjoyed about this movie? I be think- as specific as possible.
0: Perfect. Thank you. I think that you enjoyed TJ, who is the cousin who has all of the best one liners Um, and I think that you enjoyed the dad. The dad's a good, subtle character. Uh, let's see. What else? I think you liked the scenery of the movie. Yeah. That's what you... You liked exactly two characters. And the setting. Okay.
1: (laughs) I don't know why anyone would watch this movie.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad we're starting off so strong.
1: I... Do you remember how I thought Sweet Home Alabama was boring? Yeah. And uninteresting? Correct. I think this was worse. It was just in a setting I preferred to Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) But Sweet Home Alabama, I would say that as much as I didn't like it, I think Reese Witherspoon was more entertaining than Deborah Messing. Yeah. Mostly I just felt really bad for Kat. Mm -hmm. I think that part of it is the reveal of Jeffrey having slept with her sister. Yeah. That is the reason that you don't know why they broke up. It's just sort of out of the blue. Well,
0: I don't think Kat really could reason it either. Yeah.
1: No, that's what I'm saying is I think because of that, like you just sort of know she was engaged They broke it off. She has to go to her sister's wedding. Like, that's the information that you have. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking I was missing something. I also think there seemed to be a lot of pressure from the family. Like, not the whole family, specifically the mom. Mm -hmm. Who, oh my God, who is she? She's married to Sarah Paulson. Isn't that Sarah Paulson's wife?
0: Yeah, Holland Taylor.
1: Yes, okay. So Holland Taylor's character seemed to be disappointed that her eldest daughter was not getting married before her younger daughter, which I suppose... Look, if I've learned anything recently, people have a lot of opinions about weddings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And even if you don't think you have opinions about weddings, you probably have opinions about weddings that you don't even know that you have.
0: Oh, I have strong opinions about weddings.
1: Oh, let me tell you, from the very first shot of this movie, which is of the invitation for the wedding... And the first thing at the top is Mr. and Mrs. Victor Ellis. That pisses me off. The fact that a woman loses her entire personhood the minute she gets married to a man is abhorrent. I hate it. Women choosing to take their husband's last name, I think, you know, that there's a long-standing tradition. And I think also having the same last name logistically, especially if you plan to have a family, it just makes more sense. But the fact that you're going to call me Mrs., my husband's first name, my husband's last name, as if I don't exist, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like is so, it's terrible. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I, I honestly don't, I don't understand why a woman would want to be Mrs. Husband's name. You really want your identity to be all encompassed by your husband's. Like that makes no sense to me.
0: Well, that's your greatest achievement. I mean, women only deserve to be in the newspaper. What is it? Three reasons? A birth announcement, a marriage announcement, and a death announcement.
1: Yep. Something like that. Tragic. Back to my point. This I watched this whole movie, and yet I barely remember what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think any of it was interesting. I mostly just felt bad for Kat because I felt there were some, some not... Uh, very gracious opinions of the fact that she has a broken engagement, mm-hmm. especially since it takes two to tango and the broken engagement is not necessarily, I don't, it doesn't speak to her. And especially after, as you find out later, like clearly her fiance was a shitty person.
0: And that's the um, thing, it's weird because the mom does this weird 360 where she, it's almost like she begins the movie holding Kat accountable for the ending of the engagement. But then about halfway through, right before Amy's wedding, she kind of takes like a really heavy shit on Jeffrey, rightly so. But it's also, it reads almost as though she never liked him and thought he was a piece of shit the whole time. Which then also, again, condemns Kat because she chose to be with him.
1: I felt like the situation was almost coded as if they were a very well-to-do family and she let like the most eligible bachelor in polite society go or, mm-hmm. or she lost the most eligible bachelor in polite society. Except that's not what happened. I, clearly they have money. I mean, they live in a very nice townhouse in London. They have a boat. It's not as if they're like they're not royalty and they're not like cotillion debutante ball people. Like I didn't get that impression. So it but it felt as if they were coded that way. And so I had a hard time believing that from the get go, the mom is just so upset that she's not getting married to the point that she's then going to make a whole speech about it at her daughter who is getting married's. It's like the kickoff to the wedding. It's like almost like a...
0: It was like a pre-rehearsal dinner party sort of... Or wedding
1: vibe. shower, or I I don't know what to call it. But it, but yeah, it was sort of like that. It's part of the wedding weekend. And she makes this speech. And as you as you said, the love story itself is garbage. Uh, I don't understand why these people were together. I think that nothing was done in the way of Kat there's, there's nothing empowering about this story for a woman that has had a failed relationship and like feels like the rug was ripped out from under her. I think Nick's character is honestly kind of condescending, and I really don't understand. I don't understand what either of them see in each other. It's just sort of like, I think that rom-coms do this a lot where you're sort of, it's sort of left up to, like, a it's just a feeling So like he has this feeling that she sounded very hopeful. And so he takes this job and then, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how you get from point A to B. This just, this story makes no sense to me. And honestly, it's pretty forgettable. Like I'm having trouble remembering. You said the characters and I'm like, oh yeah, I did, I guess, kind of like the dad. Oh yeah, I did, I guess, kind of like the cousin. But I completely forgot they were there because they were not even memorable enough for me to, you know, without being prompted to 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 know them yeah so yeah my feelings overall is that this is a very forgettable movie and I don't (laughs) think it's worth anyone's time even if you are a rom-com fan watch something else (laughs) in fact I would recommend Sweet Home Alabama over this movie oh damn and I don't even want people to watch that movie it's just that if those were the two options you're in a cabin and snowed in and you can't leave to go, well, the blockbuster doesn't exist anymore, but you can't, and the internet's not working, but you have the electricity still on, and you have a DVD player, and these are your only two options, I would pick Sweet Home Alabama.
0: So I think what this movie misses is the development of Nick himself, and how that interplays with Kat, because... I mean, Nick is supposed to be essentially the female gaze, right? He is a man who deeply understands women's interests and motivations. He's supposed to be because a lot of times uh, sex workers, escorts honestly act as therapists for the people that they work with because these people tend to be seeking some kind of a relationship or uh, intimacy that they can't find easily or naturally in their regular ongoing life. Or maybe they don't make time for it. Whatever it ends up being. What I feel like he was pitched as is a guy who's supposed to deeply understand the motivations of women because that's his audience that's who he works with that's who he's around and listens to day in and day out which could have been great because he could have sort of been the perfect vehicle for female gaze of helping her come into her own by realizing that everything that she is is there she needs to stop thinking about what she could have done wrong because I. In my head, that's where she's at is she feels like she let this engagement slip through her fingers. He never gave her a real reason why he was breaking it off because that comes out later in the movie. And she's stuck in a holding pattern. And it would have been great for him to be sort of a vehicle for her realization of her own power and realizing that... Everything that she wants is attainable because this guilt or shame about having this broken engagement is holding her back. But it wasn't that. The scene against the car, one, it looked so awkward. It was supposed to be hot. It was awkward. But that would have been honestly a great moment for that. And instead, the dialogue was so bland And so patronizing at the same time that it didn't... I understood the effect that it was trying to have, but it missed. Because it was underdeveloped, because he's underdeveloped. I mean, he's basically... Don't get me wrong. He's real nice to look at and listen to. But he's essentially just like the person equivalent of a pancake. Everybody likes pancakes, but you like pancakes because you get to douse them in syrup or... Fruit and whipped cream and shit, you know? A pancake is not something that you necessarily just want to chew on by
1: itself. He's supposed to help her figure out that she's has everything all along. She's not lacking mm-hmm. as a person, but I feel like he comes off really condescending. And I don't love the idea of this guy that we don't know much about being like, I know everything about women. I, I feel like it comes across, and, okay, the thing I had the biggest problem with, and they say it at least two different points in the movie, is the thing about every woman has the exact relationship she wants. And then he turns to say to her, basically, like basically the whole thing is, like, you are miserable because you want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, if you actually wanted and I feel like, A, that doesn't allow room for hurt feelings. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but... A broken engagement, especially when she doesn't understand why it ended. I don't think that you just get over that and move on. No. And if she had been in a position where she saw the right... I feel like, I feel like he very condescendingly is like, relationships don't end out of the blue. Like, there is no out of the blue. He says that at one point, that there is no out of the blue.
0: And that's true. But that doesn't mean that they get a reason.
1: Yeah, she didn't get a reason. And if it happened the way that they seem to explain that it happened, that he slept with her sister and then decided he's in love with her and doesn't want to marry Kat anymore, then she didn't do anything and he left her and she's left to wonder why this ended when she thought she had found the person she was going to spend presumably the rest of her life with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like to say that you're miserable because you want to be... There's no nuance there. Like, I yes, I do think that sometimes people get comfortable in their hurt, partially because they probably don't want to get hurt again. Yeah. But I think it's really unfair to say that you're miserable because you're choosing to be. I think that's really simplifying the issue. Uh, obviously, the number one advice that this podcast ever gives is go to therapy. Yes. <laughs> um. So, you know, that's something that you can... You can work out there and you can take steps. But also, what? when did this happen? A couple years ago? I, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's been like oodles of time.
0: No, I would assume that it was probably two, three years beforehand because Jeffrey and Amy were sleeping together while Amy was also dating Edward. And then she called the affair off, I believe the way that it's described, once Edward proposed to her. Like they were not exclusive until the proposal or maybe shortly before it. So it couldn't have been, I'd say probably two and a half years would be my estimate for the time frame. I mean, shit, if you're not going to therapy, it'd probably take about that long to get over something like that, even without the context of how exactly it happened, especially without the context.
1: Yeah. I didn't like that. And I, I watched this with my roommate, and, and afterwards we were talking about this, and this was a comment that bothered both of us. Like, we both didn't like it. And she said to me, I think it's they what they were trying to get out is that we accept the love we think we deserve. But I'm like, but then they should have said that. Second of all, the comment that he says is like, this is strictly a woman's problem that women are the only ones that are choosing to be miserable. And honestly, I really think that what that speaks to is the fact that men are not under the amount of pressure to have a life partner the way that women are. And That in a large part, women's worth, their social capital, is contingent upon their ability to be desirable to a man. And so if you have a broken engagement, you've lost a lot of social capital because, Mm -hmm. well, what's wrong with you? And I think that really speaks to kind of the way that the mom treats her in that one of the first scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess my question is if women are in the exact relationship that they want to be in then what relationship are men in? Like does I feel like that ta- I I feel like in some ways the unspoken thing there is that men are not responsible for anything and it's all women's fault. And I know that I'm being very flippant when I say that, but that comment really rubs me the wrong way, especially the fact that it's coming from a man.
0: I came across something recently after I watched this and it was talking about how women in relationships they seek out exactly what you would imagine people would seek out you know um someone that they feel that they can spend the rest of their life with and they do it via criteria of you know is if you are family oriented is this someone that I would want to have children with is this someone that's reliable is this someone that I find physically and emotionally attractive, you know, all of the nuanced bits. And essentially, not to be reductive, once men decide that they want to be married, because apparently that's a thing. It's just deciding, all right, now I'm ready to be in a phase of my life that includes marriage and, I don't know, eternal devotion to someone. The highest factors in it are basically continuity and proximity. Like, is this someone that I see often? And is this someone who is near me? And the one who was talking about it was talking about the phenomenon of the one who got away. And despite it being a Katy Perry song, um, it's actually more so seen as a phenomenon amongst men rather than women. And it's the situation of, and of course there's, There's differences of, you know, life circumstances where you might really love one another and not really want it to end, but, you know, they have to, for financial reasons, they have to go work over here and you're whatever, whatever it may be. Of course, there's situations like that, but really the contributing factors are just the decision that they want to be in that phase of life, who's closest that they feel like they could do this with. And that's when you see the idea of the one that got away of maybe they were dating someone prior to the point where they felt like marriage was a phase that they could enter into in that period of their life. And then once they reached that point, they weren't there. And so whoever was the closest thing to that, that's what, that's who they get married to. And so I think When he says it's a uniquely, um, you know, woman based problem, is it just because at the end of the day, men are less critical of the concept of who would be the best person to enter into a marriage with? I don't know.
1: But I think in that sense, I think being critical is a positive trait. Yes. Yes. If the whole point, first of all, I want to acknowledge that not everybody is monogamous. Number one.
0: Yeah, It's true.
1: In the cases of folks that are monogamous and want to be with one romantic and sexual partner, which for this case, when we're talking about marriage, especially within the context of this movie, would be being critical and knowing what you want is a good thing. Yeah. Because I think the idea is that you don't want to get married and in five years, 10 years, 15 years – Realize that you chose the wrong person, mm-hmm. or really, what you don't want to do is be like, "I ignored this red flag," and I don't mean red flag is in like this person's problematic. In this sense, I mean you have irreconcilable incompatibilities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember when I was really, you know, young. You know, my dad always used to be like you don't want to go into a relationship thinking you're going to change someone. Yeah. You know, I kind of was just like, yeah, yeah. I feel like women have a bad rep for like being like, I can fix him. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that mentality comes from the intense pressure to find a person that you are compatible with and that you want to build a life with when you're a baby. I mean, think about it. People... People get married in their mid-20s. I don't know what the average is anymore. I do know that it it has gone up. In the last, yeah. like, 20 to 30 years, the the average marriage age has, like, for first time, mar- I'm not talking about second marriages or third marriages, but, like, your first marriage has gone up.
0: And consequently, divorce rates have gone down.
1: Exactly. Because you know what you want. You know who you are. I mean, I, I genuinely, I mean, think about it. The There are people that meet, you know, in high school and get married and it is the right decision and they it does work out. But I think that you are, you don't know who you are when you're 18.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So do you really think you know what you want for your life? Like, I think that's going to change. I, I'm not reading this, this study or whatever that you're you're quoting about men deciding ah it's time for me to get married who is the closest woman that I find um pleasant or whatever it is (laughs) yeah tolerable um but that just seems asinine to me Mm -hmm. I think obviously people have very strong opinions around marriage and I think when you add in cultural and religious spiritual uh expectations on, on top of those opinions or if that is what is informing those uh, opinions. You know, I don't think anyone, whether or not you believe in divorce, I don't think anyone gets married with the intention of getting divorced or the idea that like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll get divorced. But like, first of all, yes, you can get divorced. And I, <laughs> I think that that's wonderful because, yeah. you know, sometimes things don't work out and it's nice to know that you're not stuck.
0: Yeah, it keeps domestic violence rates down. Yeah, exactly. That's why the divorce rate spiked in like the 70s, 80s into the 90s and then started its decline was because everyone was like, oh, yay, now women can have credit cards and be financially independent. And also, I don't have to put up with my husband beating me and then having to go to the makeup counter to buy the thickest foundation I can get so no one at the grocery store knows.
1: Yeah, I can only speak for me. But if I ever got married... It's because I want to get married, not because I feel like I have to. I feel like, okay, this movie came out in what, 2005? Yeah. This is, this movie is before I feel like we really, uh, I still think there is pressure to find your person and to commit in some way. But I do think that there is less of that than there was 10 years ago.
0: Looking into, I don't know if they ever state Kat's age uh, in the movie, but in the book, uh, because I read a brief synopsis of it, the big thing is that she's turning 30. Mm,
1: Okay.
0: She's turning 30, and um, I don't, I can't remember if the wedding plot is the same. I believe that it is, but I don't know what it is about the magic number of 30. Because most people still have at least 40, 50 more years after that point.
1: I think that 30 being the magic age is because at 35, I feel like, is the age that I've heard. At that point, pregnancies are considered high-risk mm, pregnancies yeah. after mm-hmm. 35. So I think 30 and unmarried, because everybody knows that you have to get married and have children. Like, that's just the rules. Um
0: it's true. It's I. Non negotiable. Every, every day I walk down the street and I'm just pelted with eggs because I am unwed and have no children in my mid 20s.
1: Yep, exactly. It's a travesty. So I think from that perspective, 30 can be a big deal mm-hmm. for, for. And for women who do want marriage and children, I think it can start to feel scary. However, I was reading recently that the statistical risk of having any kind of birth defects or complications, it goes from like 1% to 2%. I, this was a conversation I was having with a labor and delivery room nurse at the bachelorette party that I was at. And she was discussing, and she's she's a midwife and she works as a labor labor and delivery room nurse. Shout out if she's decided to listen to the podcast. I did tell her about it over the weekend. (laughs) But um, I believe she was the one that was telling me that the statistical... So her point was that, first of all, medicine gets better every day. So yes, there are complications. I'm not trying to, you know, but there are people that... There are women who are having their first kid in their 40s. And yes, it does get harder, but I think that... There's a lot of panic about getting pregnant and having babies. And also, not for nothing, but I will point out that there are other ways to make a family. And also acknowledging that some of those ways get more complicated for reasons we don't have time to discuss. But overall, my point is that I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, And I think it is specifically put on women because it is their burden for better and or for worse to carry for lack of a, you know, no pun <laughs> intended, but to to care, you know, they have to carry, they have, they physically have to carry the child. And actually, I, I, sorry, I should have phrased that, uh, people with uteruses, not, not specifically women, but my point being that like, if that is, if you are able to have a child, like, I think that there's, there's just a lot of pressure placed on, on doing that. In Single All The Way, we talked about the pressure of getting into relationship and people being nosy about when are you having children and it's all connected uh even I mean coming from women especially like I hear some of some of the asinine reasons that people will just be transphobic about is like well you can't have a child as like that's the reason you can't be a woman as if that's all being a woman is and which is crazy because like
0: I don't want to have children. Does my does my woman card get revoked? Exactly.
1: You're actually not a woman. Oh, nor am I. Oh, nor are any of my friends, really.
0: Oh, my God. Look at that. Well, you know what? I know people who's uh, uter- uteri, is you I don't know. Uh, I know I know people who don't have functioning reproductive organs because of hormonal imbalances so exactly they are also not women
1: yeah I don't know look 30 is a big age for me personally 30 is not scary because I'm afraid to be quote unquote old or whatever like I'm really not worried about that I just think 30 seems like a very mature adult age, and I feel like I should have more of my life figured out by then. But I'm not worried about being old. Like, I could literally, all of my hair could turn gray, and I wouldn't care as long as I knew what I was doing with my life.
0: (laughs) Chelsea, I don't think that you need to worry about being 30 because here's what you're going to be doing when you're 30, all right? You will be 30, you will be flirty, and you will be thriving.
1: Great. Mm -hmm. great who am i flirting with
0: well that's up to you i don't want to dictate your love life because as we like to say on this show don't be so goddamn nosy let people have their own romantic lives you could flirt with supermarket clerks you could flirt (laughs) with fortune 500 ceos you could flirt with a woman, a man, a non-binary person, a gender-fluid person, you could flirt with all of them. Flirt with none of them. Flirt with yourself. You know what? Actually, that's what I want everyone's takeaway to be here today. Flirt with yourself. I want you to pass by a mirror and go, damn, that ass be poppin." I never say that to myself because my ass is really flat. But I have other qualities that I... Compliment myself on. Flirt with yourself. Wow. hmm No, I really love that uh, statistic, though.
1: I feel like I want to fact check that, but that's, yeah, that's what she was. We were talking about, like, turning 30, and she got, like, very impassioned and was like, actually, did you know? And honestly, I trust her. The conversations that were had surrounding that particular subject this weekend were a lot, considering... That most people in the bachelorette party, I don't think, had any interest in having children. So,
0: well, here's the thing Mark Twain was quoted saying there are three kinds of lies lies, damned lies, and statistics. So, it is true that your risk for a high risk pregnancy doubles after the age of 35 from 1% to 2. Yep. This is all to say that I think that that is a huge issue with the movie of the idea of someone having the relationship that they want. Because, I mean, that also assumes that everything in the relationship is within their control. As somebody who went through, it was not as serious as an engagement. And it was not my sister, just my best friend at the time of a couple years there. Um, As someone who has been in a similar situation where you think that your relationship is just rocking and rolling and then there's an affair between someone you're really fucking close to and your partner and then you find out. The fact that she was just so cool with Amy at the end of it, like it's like, ah, water under the bridge now
1: that I have my... Hot male escort boyfriend. There is so much in this movie that is like glazed over, so unresolved. It's a real leap from point A to point B, and there is no bridge to help you no. whatsoever. Not even a really rickety old one where all the planks are mostly missing. Like there's nothing. You, I hope you brought your uh, pole vaulting thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a pole, and you just got to jump over the gorge and hope for the best. Like evil can kind of shit. For real. I also feel like it puts a lot of onus on and look, this whole this whole movie and honestly, a lot of the movies we watch are really heteronormative. So I I, and I I feel like our audience knows that I feel like we try to acknowledge uh, other types. But in this particular sense, all I'm saying is I think there's a lot of onus put on women to make men happy. And yet there's very rarely I, I think more and more you're seeing it. But in these contexts, it doesn't see. There doesn't seem to be any question about whether or not the man in the relationship is making his partner happy. Like yeah. it doesn't even seem to be a question. And so that's why I think when they end, it's like, well, clearly you sh- you did something wrong because as you know, uh, why didn't you? What didn't you do to keep him happy? And I think that whether or not this is something being said in this particular woman's life it's it's an idea that has been internalized because that is the way that we talk about relationships even still now like
0: an even bigger issue that i have with this is the idea of unfounded forgiveness and grace you know no one even including nick to a lesser degree he he found out information that he wasn't supposed to know. But I also feel like wasn't his story to tell. This is
1: a part that kind of made me mad. Because like I understand in the moment she feels a little betrayed. But he literally found out like what an hour before she found out. Yeah. What? At, at, first of all logistically when was he supposed to tell her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially because it doesn't seem like particularly relevant necessarily. And also they're not in a relationship. And look, I'm not trying to... There is lots about Nick that I don't like, but in that, I just... It didn't make sense for her to have the reaction that she did. I get that she is starting to have feelings for him. I understand that she's hurt in a very big way. Her fiancé had an affair with her sister. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think that that was his responsibility. And I also... Benefit of the doubt, even if you do think it was his responsibility? Like, was he just supposed to run out of there and go find her and tell her? Like, I'm having a really hard time believing that there was even time. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. So one, when is he supposed to tell her this? It's a great question. But two, she never asks how he found out. She never... Gives him the opportunity to say, I overheard them in the wine cellar an hour ago, arguing. I didn't know what it was quite about. He didn't know the full context. What if he saw only what we saw him see. It's a weird combination of words. But anyway, if we are privy to what he knows, then all he knows is he walks up on Jeffrey gripping Amy's forearms, which I hated. Anyway, um... Holding Amy and saying, basically saying like, why don't you love me or I love you and you have to know or whatever it was. That one may not have been fully reciprocated by Amy. Wasn't. She was getting married and was basically like, dude, I'm getting married. I called this off for a reason. So all he knows is that Jeffrey has feelings for Amy. He doesn't know when they started. He doesn't know if it prompted the breaking off of the engagement. All he knows is at one point they were entangled in some way and she wants to write him off completely for that. It doesn't make any sense other than obviously being hurt, which I can understand. Again, it's, she goes through a lot and I don't think that the sudden forgiveness that she finds for everyone involved, especially her fucking bitch of a sister is justified.
1: I feel like we can just sum this up with, this movie is terrible. <laughs> I, I honestly like I, most of my frustrations and the things I think I've gone on about at length at, or at least at length enough for this medium, if mm-hmm. you will, are my own personal dislikes around a lot of the things being discussed or not even really discussed, but just sort of taken for granted in the movie. yeah. Like, I don't really even have anything to say about the movie, except that you really have to take a lot on faith. You aren't going to get the exposition that I feel like is really required. And the characters and the story are ultimately forgettable. The movie we could compare this to in terms of the relationship between the our romantic leads would be Pretty Woman for obvious reasons. Yeah. And Pretty Woman is far superior in that as much of a stale wheat thin, I believe we called Richard Gere in that movie, (laughs) as much of a stale wheat thin as Edward is, Julia Roberts is really working in that movie.
0: She is. She's a working girl in that movie in more ways than one.
1: Whereas I... And and look, I'm not going to like, I mean, I don't really have any opinions about Deborah Messing, so I'm not going to say that this is on her. But I just think that the character of Kat is not particularly interesting. Yeah. I think that in some ways the idea of a male escort is kind of intriguing because that's not something that you immediately think about mm-hmm. with that line of work. The moments that I even care it's because he's being condescending to her, yeah I'm genuinely confused at how they ended up together i I feel like we went from zero to sixty mm-hmm. in less time than it took her to crawl inside the boat. you know what I mean,
0: you mean tumble inside of the boat,
1: yeah, sure it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense i i i don't I don't get it and I think the family dynamics weren't explored enough. Like they either, I feel like they were alluded to, but there wasn't a lot of substance there. I think that, I mean, Amy Adams is a terrific actress and I just think this part did nothing for her. Like even, I feel like they could have had a better sister character than they did that's what I mean by family dynamics being really underdeveloped is there's definitely things that like clearly stuff is went on, mm-hmm. but we don't have enough context. And so you're just sort of left to throw up your hands and be like, I guess she was a spoiled brat, younger sister who wanted everything her older sister had. And so she slept with her sister's fiance. And then at the end, her sister's just like, Meh, it's fine. At least you told your husband to be before you married him which like yes that was the right thing to do but yeah. <laughs> i i don't know i i'm just so frustrated with this movie because it i don't i just don't even see the point in watching it,
0: it it's like <laughs> they got the outlines of all the characters and then just didn't fill them in because if they had developed have you ever seen 27 dresses okay if they had developed the sister character, in the same way that they developed the younger sister in Twenty Seven Dresses, this would have been more compelling in general. Um, in the same way that they they needed to, they just needed to develop all of these characters. Usually, you can point to a character and say, "This character was the most developed." You don't have any of those here.
1: I mean, to compare this to 27 Dresses, because I almost made that comparison earlier, I feel like the reason that that works is because in that plot, the whole thing is she's always, always, always a bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. And here her younger sister is getting married to the man that she has always wanted to get, like, like or that she has been in love with from afar, mm-hmm. but never actually pursued. Right. Whereas... In this movie, the point is not that she's not getting married and she's been in all these weddings, but rather she isn't getting married. She has a broken engagement, and you don't know. Like the whole twist is that her sister slept with her fiance, and that's why the engagement ended. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that context until later. You have more context for her for the younger sister being bratty and spoiled and getting what she wants and the relationship between the two of them the dramatic reveals which aren't even that dramatic because it's obviously a rom-com and it's like very light and fluffy but like it's like she has lied to this guy is the thing in 27 dresses she's lied Mm -hmm. to him about a bunch of things they also got together really quickly yeah but in this movie the ooh gotcha moment is that the sister slept with the fiance and that's what broke up the engagement. And I, I don't know. I, I still don't think I t- articulated that thought very well, but my point is you're right that it's better. It's better developed here. I don't, I, I just don't know anything about these people.
0: You get breadcrumbs of Kat and Amy's relationship. When Amy takes the drink from Kat in the beginning party scene. And she's like, can I have that? And then she just takes it. And then she demands like the straw be angled towards her so she can sip out of the straw, which was such a cringeworthy scene. And you see the repeated sort of notion throughout that everything going on should be centered around Amy because it's her wedding that's going on. So you get the, self-focused elements that would fuel into the idea and then you also get her having moments like when she's super drunk about talking about how in high school Kat won you know best eyes and brightest smile or whatever and how all the boys absolutely loved her and so you can see inklings of resentment Combined with a weird sense of entitlement from Amy. But none to the point where you think it would bubble over to her having an affair with her sister's
1: fiance.
0: It doesn't seem to build up and go anywhere. Can
1: we can we jump into fixes? Because I I have some okay. I think that this movie would be better from the get-go if we know why it broke off. And instead of the problem being she doesn't know why her relationship ended. She knows exactly why her relationship ended, and yet she—it's f- almost as if she's received a gag order from her family for some reason or another. Um, so maybe this happened. It was kind of messy, but maybe Edward—the uh, that's his name, right? The Captain Norrington, the guy from yes. Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe he is from a very well-to-do family, and they want their daughter to get married to him and so maybe cat feels this pressure that she's not allowed to discuss it but she also has to go and deal with a whole weekend where not only is her sister the person that ruin it is partially responsible for ruining her relationship um get married but also her ex fiance is going to be at the wedding. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that would be far more interesting because at the whole time, you know exactly what's going to happen. And it's just waiting for her to like snap and be like, I can't do this. Like, why are we acting? Like, why are we pretending like nothing's wrong? It's not fair to Edward. It's not fair to me. It's, we're lying to everyone. I feel like that would be better. Or if she doesn't know from the get-go, having her know earlier, Mm Mm-hmm. In the weekend.
0: I would even be okay with the idea of she knew that her engagement broke off because he cheated. And maybe she doesn't know who with and that can still be a twist that she knows that it's Amy. Okay, yeah. I think the idea of a gag order
1: is just perfect. And again, that would help with some of the things that I think were sort of alluded to but weren't really flushed out. And then you have the problem of Holland Taylor's character doing a 180 on her opinion of Jeffrey and Kat's relationship ending. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they already positioned the the dad as being a lot warmer. Mm-hmm. They have a better relationship. So to have the mom for whatever reason be wanting for her daughter to get married, and it's like we're we're not gonna discuss this horrible nastiness sort of a a, of a deal yeah i think that would help flesh out some of the family dynamics i think it's easier to understand why people are acting the way they're acting also i personally think that amy should be i think she should just be taking things like i don't think it should be a can i please have your drink it should be like oh thanks for getting me the drink even though the drink was very clearly not for her and just grabbing it out of her hands mostly because I hated that like oh please push like she's acting like her nails are wet or something but she's at yeah. a party so clearly that's not the case it was just really weird and I I think that I don't know I think they were trying too hard I think there were much faster ways to communicate that relationship and the one they went with was, too long, even though it's not that long and not as effective. It was just weird.
0: I think that they could really kind of underscore an entitlement with Amy. They could keep a lot of the Hindu. And maybe at that point is when she figures out that Amy was the one that Jeffrey cheated on cat with. Um, that caused their broken engagement you could use that because they started to um, she's like I shouldn't even be allowed to get married and then she just went back into party party girl mode but I think that they could underscore that entitlement by going bar to bar and just every almost every time Kat grabs a shot Amy just takes out of her hand and takes it
1: yeah also this is a weird maybe nitpicky thing but why is it amy british like why doesn't she have an accent i'm very confused as to why because at some and and maybe i just wasn't paying attention because this movie's really uninteresting but it seemed as if like so so cat is uh holland taylor's daughter from her first marriage or before she got you know like from a different relationship right there's has to be some kind of significant age gap between them because i believe the dad says he met Cat when she was six years old, mm-hmm. and so even if they you know get married and have a baby, like there's at least a seven or eight year age gap between, uh, Amy and Cat. Yeah, and so I I feel like I'm. It seems like they live in England. Yeah, and I know I'm being nitpicky here, but I, honestly, I was genuinely like, I have so many questions.
0: Yeah, because she refers to Cat as like the hottest expat in school.
1: So I think she should just be British. Mm-hmm. Like I think she should have an like, and it should be like they moved to England. And then it should be like oh, because she doesn't live there anymore because maybe she doesn't want to be near her family. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. I just have more questions about these fam- I feel like there are so many small ways to communicate these things and I feel like they got very muddled. It's like they didn't think through some of these. And I don't know whether it's because... I mean, I feel like it was an intent. It was intentional to have the wedding in England. Yeah. And yet I feel like so they would have known that going into casting. And, you know, Amy Adams is a great actor, but I don't know. Can she do a British accent? I have no idea. So
0: (laughs) I also just feel like, again, Nick, I I think one of my least favorite parts about rom-coms, even though I love them. My biggest problem when looking at rom-coms more critically is that the men are so underdeveloped. And I feel like Nick as a male escort had so much opportunity. I think too there should have been a greater reveal of him opening up and being more authentically himself. Like shedding the perfect man escort facade. And then just letting him be Nick and that be a pivotal point in the development of the relationship too.
1: Not to jump ahead, I don't actually think they date.
0: They really, do. you know what, let's go into it. For anyone tuning in just now, we have rom-com criteria of do they date, did we laugh, and is love in the driver's seat? No, they don't really date. They shag in a boat. We do not see these characters grow closer. The only moment that I can think of is when they are lying on the bed and he says that he's studying to get a degree and opens up about uh, just little things like cursory stuff that you would talk about in the very, very, very beginning of a talking phase which ends in him saying I think I'd miss you even if we'd never met.
1: I don't know. I I I feel pretty strongly that they don't date. I I'm I don't even feel like that counts. Yeah. I would agree. I, there, this this entire movie is about Kat's relationship to her family except that that's not well developed mm-hmm. and then they add a male escort to make you think it's a rom-com, but I don't I don't actually think that they date.
0: So they don't date, but I will say that I laughed and I would like to read just a few bits about what I laughed at because they were almost exclusively the cousin TJ. At one point, TJ gestures to Nick and goes, can you believe that Kat gets to shag this guy? No, really, you should send God a bottle of wine or a quiche or something. And then after (laughs) Nick winks at her... Uh, when he's leaving the Hindu, she goes, "Oh God, I think I've just come." <laughs> so those are my two moments of wow. I love that. Um, so those are the moments that I laughed. Chelsea, did you laugh at all?
1: I did laugh. Uh, it was a very early on in this film, and it was when Cat is at the airport with all of her luggage, and and it's on one of those carts. And she's weaving around a very empty line of <laughs> ropes. Yeah. And clearly struggling while her co worker, because apparently she works for the airline in the customer service part, is trying to get her help, even though she's on vacation and literally has her handful with all of this luggage. Yeah. And my one thought was this is hilarious because if she works for this airline, surely she would have just felt comfortable enough to, like, take the ropes off the stanchions. Uh-huh. But instead, she's weaving and clearly struggling. <laughs> and not only is this guy not helping her, but he's asking her for help. Yes. And I thought that was really, a really great moment of physical comedy. So I will hand this movie that. But, and I did enjoy, TJ, the things that you've just stated, I did find amusing. I don't know that I actually laughed aloud because at that point, I was still frustrated with this movie, um i could have used more of tj i definitely think she improves uh the film but yeah uh so fine this gets a point for did we laugh yes
0: yeah also um tj's heartfelt greeting to jeffrey of oh asshole that was my terrible accent i hope everyone enjoyed it and then so chelsea would you argue that love is not in the driver's seat for this one not much is in the driver's seat.
1: I, yeah, I, I, I th- feel like this is, um, have you ever played Breath of the Wild, the Zelda game?
0: I'm gonna level with you. I, I didn't really do video games growing up. I think my mom was convinced that they would melt our brains. I did Rock Band, we did Mario Kart, uh, We Fit because, yep. Yeah, and um now as an adult, I bought myself a Nintendo Switch uh specifically to play the game Stardew Valley. So I have not played Call of the Wild, but I've seen others play it.
1: Well, you should definitely play Breath of the Wild. I don't know what Call of the Wild oh, is, but shit. you should. Play. See, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. But the reason I bring that up is because There, you have various powers that you can use for no for anyone that's not played the game. You try to understand what I'm saying. Uh, You have a magnetic power, so you can move metal things. You also have a power to like freeze time. Oh, Uh, and there are these metal carts that are sort of like you, you know, have you ever seen one of those really old cartoons where they're like the guys are like pumping on a railroad to, like, get this tiny little trolley to move. Uh It's sort of like that. Like, that, it's, like, just a single car on a track. And if you freeze it, you can whack it with your stick to, like, basically build up momentum. And then you jump in before it unfreezes after a certain amount of time. And then it just propels you forward. Mm -hmm. And that is the sort of vehicle situation (laughs) I feel like we're working with in this movie. There is no... Automatic power going on here. Like you really have to work to try and figure out what is dro- like propelling this forward. Yeah, because I don't think it's love. No, I, 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 I honestly don't even. Like the more I think about this movie, the more confused I am because I just think that barely any effort was put into the plot. I think there's really no effort put into there's definitely no effort put into the relationships between any of the characters. So, I I no I don't because the 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 point of the movie is I think maybe in a different script the like the driving force could be her except you know moving on from this bad relationship, but instead she spends most of the film, rightfully upset that her engagement was broken. And then suddenly she sleeps with her hired date and then is like into him, which I mean, okay, I can sort of understand, but it's definitely not love. I, I, I just, I just genuinely feel confused with this movie. I, 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 I could maybe, maybe give it a date, but I really don't think we can give it a love in the driver's seat point. I, I, I honestly don't even really feel like we can give it a date point. I, I genuinely think that the only thing that this sort of hits is the comedy for the very few sparse uh, offerings it has.
0: Do you think that maybe they couldn't afford a plot because they spent all the money Getting the rights to like every Michael Buble and every Maroon 5 song because that was... Between
1: that and getting a mostly American cast to the UK to film. It's true.
0: (laughs) This is not a rom-com then because there's... I don't
1: think this is a rom-com. I don't think this counts as a rom-com. Nice. barely anything romantic about this movie and just ever so slightly something comedic about it.
0: Are you ready to go into the watchability score? Sure. Okay. For anyone just now tuning in, our watchability score is based off, of, loosely off of Zillow's walkability score. Ours goes from 1 through 5, and a walkability score on Zillow is essentially how close the property that you're looking at is near grocery stores, shops, restaurants, that sort of thing. And so starting at number one on our scale, you are stranded in the desert and then you're at a backroads barbecue that you just kind of stumble upon way out, maybe in the mountains. Uh, you have a strip mall in suburbia where you have to drive about 30 minutes away from where you are in any direction to find any semblance of real uh, life, but it's there within 30 minutes. Four, you are four blocks from a transit stop. And then five, the best coffee in the city is downstairs. Chelsea, I feel like I can guess yours. I think this gets a one.
1: This absolutely gets a one. It maybe gets a 1.3, meaning that you are stranded in the desert, but you found the ship of Kissing Kate Barlow (laughs) in holes that has the peaches in it that you can still eat. Uh, so you have a better <laughs> chance of Survival. you know gaining nourishment and getting out of the desert at some point, but it's gonna be a long, hard journey for you.
0: I'm gonna give this one a two just because if you're looking for something to turn on that has Dermot Moroni in it, that your eyes can kind of glaze over and you can play Stardew Valley while watching it, which I did not actually, I'm very dedicated. to to the um professional vibe of this podcast and I make sure that I am completely uninterrupted during my viewing sessions but I would give this a two for that I could have this on in the background and it'd be perfectly fine I could occasionally look up and see that beautiful beautiful man yeah it's a two I'm so glad we started off this season so strong. I feel like I have a really good knack for beginning seasons now with movies that you simply do not enjoy.
1: Yeah, I am. Um, this was not it. This was not it. And genuinely, if you like rom-coms, I don't think you would like this movie. There's just nothing there. Yeah. There's just nothing there. It's a bad movie. And I'm saying that I'm saying that not just in I don't like rom coms and this is not my genre and so therefore I don't like it. I genuinely think even for the genre, even for people who don't mind the derivative plots that I find <laughs> annoying, like I just genuinely think even if you enjoy all of that and we have very different tastes in movies, I don't think this is the movie for you. I I do not think it's not memorable. It's not written well. It's it's there's nothing there. Just watch something else.
0: Just listen to a playlist that's exclusively Michael Buble and Maroon 5 and you'll basically just watch the movie. Early Maroon 5 though, not like moves like Jagger Maroon 5, but you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, well, Chelsea, I think that you'll enjoy next week's a little bit more. Uh, Next week is actually a request. We did not have this in the season lineup originally and decided that it needed to make an appearance. So... Next time, we will be watching the 1995 classic with Miss Alicia Silverstone and Paul Rudd. We are watching Clueless.
1: I'm excited. Uh, I don't know why I have not watched Clueless yet. I know
0: that was the most shocking part of all of this, is that this listener wrote in and was like, oh my god, Chelsea hasn't seen Clueless. And I'm like, what the fuck? How has Chelsea survived and not seen Clueless? So... I feel like I'm really excited to have this first time with you.
1: I have a good feeling that I, I won't hate this one.
0: I think we'll just mostly marvel at the fact that Paul Rudd has not aged.
1: hmm mm. Yeah.
0: It's definitely something to look forward to.
1: Yeah. Well, Madison, this has been a heated first <laughs> episode back from our hiatus i i hope that honestly i had never even heard of this movie so i highly doubt it's on anyone's list of most beloved films and if it is have you ever seen a different movie like was this your (laughs) wilson were you stranded on an island with just this movie and you have some weird trauma response to it like Mm, true i I, I, I have a genuinely difficult time understanding why anyone would like this movie unless you (laughs) love to hate it. And then maybe I would get it.
0: I don't know. Maybe they just have Dermot Mulroney uh, rose colored glasses on.
1: He is. He's not the 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 lead man that's going to make me watch a movie that's bad. Uh, I am sorry to say who is. Mm, That's a great question. I'm going to have to give that one a think. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know what? I'm going to write this down. We're going to circle back next time, and we will have our leads that can be in terrible movies that we love dearly.
1: I, w- I will tell you that Alice and Janie can be in anything, and she could be in it for 30 seconds, and I would watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I think she's brilliant.
0: That's fair. I also just fucking love Kate Blanchett.
1: Kate mm. Blanchett
0: could just like walk in a
1: scene...
0: Flipped the camera off and I'd be like innovative, subversive, incredible.
1: All I ever want to see is Kate Blanchett in a suit, a tux. Short. That's subject. all I ever want to see.
0: Henry Cavill, too. Henry Cavill can be in some absolute bust. Ben Barnes. I don't know why he scratches an itch, but he does. We all know my love of Florence Pugh, so I don't need to bring that up again. Well, Chelsea, um, I know that I'm, I'm certainly excited to see what poll is going to come up. Because to circle back around to politics right at the end here, um, we have some really heated debates, heated votes every week following the release of an episode a day or two afterward uh, where Chelsea puts together an amazing poll.
1: To really capture uh, what is most important in an episode, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Such as, which is the correct way and the criminal way to cut a sandwich. And are you a good person or a criminal? Madison's a criminal. (laughs)
0: Look, look, I understand that our justice system is not meant for rehabilitation. But I don't think that criminals are necessarily bad. It's the whole thing, like in Wreck-It Ralph, where he's like, just because you are a bad guy does not mean you're a bad guy. That's how I feel. That's the second accent.
1: (laughs) We're we're never going to not be talking about the sandwich debate, but over the break, Madison (laughs) sent me a photo of her sandwich in which she did cut the bread she claims cannot be cut on a diagonal, <laughs> in a diagonal. And then she's like, are you telling me this is correct? And I'm like, no, it's not correct because you didn't angle the knife steeply enough.
0: Yeah, it was, it was uh, sourdough with provolone cheese and smoked turkey on it. It was fucking delicious. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And it just felt, felt wrong. So
1: it's because you didn't do it right.
0: Yeah. Apparently, apparently I'm, I'm,
1: you have to work for a good cut. You know what I mean?
0: Oh my God. This is why recidivism rates are so high in America, (laughs) but you can have this conversation with us on our Instagram. Our handle is love it for screening. I blatantly abandoned our Twitter. Uh, It's still up. You could still access it. It's at the laughs pod, T H E L A F -S S P O D. Um, no one's posting or really looking at it because Twitter is, uh, it was a cesspool before, don't get me wrong, but now, whew, it's hot garbage. Um, but you can also email us, you know, um, no manifestos, please. Those, that word has bad connotation now, but you know, you can send us your thoughts, your requests, if you want us to watch a movie and, Pick it apart, like a rotisserie chicken or a vegetarian rotisserie chicken, if you're, did they make those? No. I didn't think so. Anyway, a jackfruit? Did you just pick apart a jackfruit?
1: That's a, that's just like pulled. Oh, okay. Like pulled pork or pulled chicken you can make out of jackfruit.
0: I don't, I don't know a a rotisserie chicken equivalent.
1: Rotisserie, rotisserie chicken just means it's a whole fucking chicken. Yeah. And you rotate it. Yeah, but you, just, like, you have to, like, chicken. pick it
0: apart. You have to pull it, like, to eat it. You don't unless you're just, like, full-on
1: raw I thought you and- meant, like, do they make a fake chicken that they then roast rotisserie style no, I was for vegetarians? So- and that does not exist, because what a waste <laughs> of... <laughs> You're going to construct something that then I have to take apart? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? That's a puzzle for vegetarians. And I am anti-jigsaw puzzle. Why on earth are we putting something together that was already a picture and then at the end you just have to break it apart? What a waste of time. I believe two things. That is, sandwiches should be cut on a diagonal and puzzles, jigsaw puzzles, are the stupidest waste of your time. Those are my beliefs.
0: Winston, the picture's on the box. It's a Japanese garden. <laughs> <laughs> but you can email us your thoughts on, j- on jigsaw puzzles uh, at uh, love it for screening at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> I've missed this. Once again, we are Love at First Screening. We're here every Wednesday talking about all the rom-coms you love, love to hate, and everything in between. So until next time.